CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It is Friday, and that means it is time for Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee, joined by Carter Worth, Mike Co, and Tony Zhang. We are wrapping up another wild week on Wall Street. The Dow, S&P, and Nasdaq all closing lower for the day and for the week. The Nasdaq dropping nearly 2.5% today. Energy staying strong, crude notching its fifth straight week of gains. But broadly speaking, the vast majority of major indicators are still stuck at a crossroads in terms of final direction. So, Carter, what would you make of the week? Well, if you think about it, it's, it's kind of a benign week. If you take today away, right, we were, we were up on the week. Everything was quite okay. And one day doesn't really change anything. If you were to look at the close in the VIX this week versus last week, essentially unch. Mm. And um, small caps uh, did very well relative to large because we know there was trouble in some of the bigger names. I don't think it was an eventful week, despite today being obviously red. Right. Um, Mike, your take? Yeah, I, I think uh, Carter's maybe a little more sanguine. Uh, about all of this than I am. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't really see a whole lot of upside for equities here. Uh, we obviously know the inflation story is, is a big problem. What we were seeing in some of the large cap names is that maybe the earning story at the companies that we think of usually as being the most secure are a little bit more grim. And of course, that speaks to the economic uh, concerns that people have. So that creates a problem. The other thing is that you can't expect equities to return back to prior highs when you have a whole cast of investors who now realize that GAAP does not stand for growth at any price. And that is essentially what's going to keep a lid, I think, on on equities here. Um, And if we get more bad news, then that could actually point to further downside. Yeah, Tony, what's your take? I mean, the the market's reaction today was specifically the jobs report being better than expected. And then the notion, the following notion that uh, the Fed would have to go harder than anticipated. Yeah. And many times as technicians, we say that we're not in the business of why, but what. And last week I talked about the fact that we were keeping an eye on that 4,200 level on the S&P, that we really need to see a break above that level for us to confirm that last week's bottom was a true bottom. But we did not see that at all. So the fact that we have not rallied up to that $4,200 level, my expectation is that we are going to continue to see further downside. Carter was referring to the VIX at that 25 level. And I think closing at that 25 level really speaks to the market's anticipation of further volatility to the, uh, uh, going forward. And I think that we can see some further downside uh, from here. All right. Well, as inflation continues to weigh in the markets and the consumer, Tony is a trade on one name. He says could be caught in the crosshair. So, Tony, what are you watching? Yeah, I'm taking a look at a, at Visa, which has been a a good place to play a little defense in the current market volatility. But I see some downside risks if you tie to current the, the current economic and consumer spending slowdown. So if we take a look at a chart here for Visa, this is a long-term chart over uh, 12 years of Visa since the IPO. What you see is a chart that's very much up and to the right and a very clear trend line. But that trend line recently has been broken. So the risks right now, I think, are skewed to the downside. And if we zoom in here to the chart for Visa, 
The stock broke out above the 190 level back in May of 2020 in the early days of the pandemic. And since we broke out above that level, it really has failed to sustain any rallies above that level. And right now, given the, the current slowdown we've seen in consumer spending and consumer confidence, I think it's more likely to revisit that 190 level than back to that 230 level. But the most important chart that I think we have to take a look at here is the relative chart of Visa to the market. And despite some performance we've seen here since November, uh, the, the longer term picture or the bigger picture here is the fact that this is a stock that's underperformed the market since 2018. And I think the timing right now is uh, potentially for further uh, underperformance relative to the market. So the trade structure that I want to take is a simple one to use uh, a put vertical spread going out to July. I'm buying the 210-190 put spread. Right now you can purchase that for just about $5.15, just a little bit more than one quarter of the vertical width of $20. And this is a great way to utilize options to play for some downside exposure uh, and also at the same time potentially provide a little bit of a hedge to uh, current equity positions that you might have but only risking two and a half percent of the equity position or the or the two and a half percent of the stock's value in order to take this bearish bet or, or a hedge. Well, Mike, I thought the consumer was strong in that they're still spending the same amount, basically, but spending it on different things, which doesn't really make a difference to Visa as long as they are spending and that there's more cross-border travel. So what's your take on this trade? Yeah, I, first of all, I think that's an excellent point. I mean, one of the things we have to remember is that a lot of companies their revenues and their earnings are largely priced, as you're pointing out, at a nominal level. Does Visa really care whether you're spending it on a high-ticket discretionary item or just on beef that costs 80% more than it used to? The truth is, if consumers are basically breaking out their credit cards and using them to the basically the max of their ability, ability then that's probably not going to affect their top line very much. I think really the issue here that we ought to be thinking about is that it's a relatively high multiple name. And if we think that there's pressure for equities potentially in the near uh, future, then this is going to be another name that's likely to go suffer from that. And that's more, I think, of a valuation story than it is a top line story. And so I rather like the trade that the important thing to take a look at is if you buy a put spread like this, if you own, let's say, you know, 30 or 40 names in your portfolio and you decide that you want to take this bearish bet that Tony is outlining here, you know, you're only risking about two and a half percent of the current stock price to make that bet. If the market falls in, it actually could uh, serve as a little bit of a hedge against some of the other long names in your portfolio, even if it doesn't happen to be Visa. Carter, what's your thoughts on the chart here? Right. Sometimes, well, quite often, uh, a stock occurs when it's not at an inflection point. Um, and that's my appraisal of this situation, meaning there are times when something has come down to trend and we'll try to play for a bounce or something's hovering ominously at 52-week lows and has the prospects of a break. Uh, but Visa is just sort of range-bound. It's lackluster. It, it has no character as a chart. And uh, I would call that, uh, as I do, a pair of twos. So you would say that it's not worth putting a trade on? Uh, I'd bet against volatility, actually. Uh, I would be, if people don't like to do it, but I'd strangle it. I'd sell calls and puts and let the premium erode. Tony, what do you say? 
So I simply beg to differ. I think that right now you have seen a lot of safety in these types of names. And I think that there could be some uh, further downside, especially con if you consider the the significant declines we've seen here in consumer uh, sentiment rather than consumer spending. And I think that is really the downside risk that I see here to, to Visa, in addition to the multiple uh, or the valuation uh, story that, that Michael is referring to. All right. Still to come on Options Action, do not let the down market fool you. There are still plays to be made and names with upside potential. We'll give you two of them. And for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com, and sign up for our newsletter. Much more Options Action right after this. Saturday, CNBC is your ticket to the annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Watch live on air or stream all the action at CNBC.com. Warren Buffett meets with shareholders, plus their questions, his answers. Becky Quick and Mike Santoli with full coverage from Omaha. Then re-rack the energy with highlights Monday morning starting on Squawk Box. The annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, live on air and online, starts 9.30 Eastern, Saturday, CNBC. Welcome back to Options Action. Despite today's continued market decline, today's economic data reveals the jobs market is still strong. And that means consumers will likely still spend on things that get them through the workday, like coffee. Carter, you're looking at Starbucks for a bounce. Sure. Let's, uh, let's get right to it. So the first is a comparative chart, two lines, very straightforward. One is Starbucks, one is the market. And what do we know? The market's peak to trough decline as of this point is 20%. Starbucks is 45 plus. All right. Moving to the next chart, what we have is a relative chart. Relative performance peaked three years ago to the market, and it's come down exactly to its prior relative strength low and has started to pivot and turn up. Good relative strength day-to-day, week-to-week. So in terms of the current drawdown, this is a weekly chart, and I want to just put in context what we've experienced relative to what we saw in COVID. And so if you look at the next chart, you'll see here that this drawdown is epic. In fact, it's 46%. You can see that there versus 49, the COVID low when Starbucks was closed, along with everything else in the world. And so that's a major solve. How major is it? Well, look at this table. There have been a total of 18 instances in the history of the data where Starbucks has declined um, more than 20%. The median and mean is around 35. We're well past that. And so finally, uh, just the here and now charts. You can see that that has all the elements of a minor head and shoulders bottom. That's also the relative strength that's uh, occurring. And then there is the trend line. You put it all together. And what I think you've got here is a stock that's down 46%, more than twice the S&P, that is exhibiting characteristics that would suggest the way forward is up. I'm a buyer. All right. Mike, are you? What's the trade? Yeah, I am, actually. And, you know, I mean, I think in a situation like this, even if you have a grim outlook for equities generally, you have to start taking a look for some names that may have fallen uh, a bit too far and may represent opportunities on the long side. I think that's true for Starbucks. And there's a couple of reasons why I think that. First of all, during this pandemic, the company has had to obviously contend operationally with what's going on. And they have done a few things to try to improve their operating results. They are 
in focusing increasingly on digital sales, and they are looking at, at store repositioning. So a lot of the stores that were in urban areas, they have been looking to close some of those and open up stores in some of the areas where people are now working uh, from home. They are also looking at pickup-only locations. Uh, so these are stores, essentially, where you're going to take advantage of that digital sale using the app, buying your uh, products ahead of time, and then you just go and pick it up. And the nice thing about those locations is they have far better margins, as you would expect. They have a much smaller footprint. And if we take a look at the earnings right now, uh, the company is trading around 23 times price to earnings. That's well below the 10-year average, which is closer to 30. And if you think that those earnings might actually pick up as they have these improvements in operational efficiency, then this is certainly a stock you would want to take a look at on the long side. Now, of course, because I think that there is potentially still pressure for equities, I like using calls to make my bullish bet. I was looking out to January at the 80 strike calls, purchasing those, and then financing those in part by selling the August 90s, putting on a diagonal spread. The net cost of this was a little over $6 when I was looking at this earlier today, the idea being that essentially you're creating a hedged form of a buy right, getting long exposure to the stock, offsetting some of that decay with the sale of higher strike near dated calls. And when those ones expire, then I could look to do it again with September, October, November, and December, all of which are expirations that are going to follow after those August roll off, and I can still have those long Januaries on. Tony, what's your take on the trade? So I really like this specific entry on Starbucks where we are now. I think the risk to reward ratio is extremely strong here to the upside. You're risking only about three to four bucks to the downside before you would say that this bearish trend has not end and it's, it's going to continue. Uh, and then on the upside, you're looking at a minimum target of about $90 here to the upside. So I, I like the risk to reward here. And if you look at the business, you know, Mike was referring to the relatively cheap valuations. I think wage inflation is really the number one concern for investors here for Starbucks. They've seen wages increase by 25% since 2019, and most of that has come within this particular year. So I think as those wage inflation concerns ease, that's really where we're going to see that multiple expansion back towards that 30 times earnings that Mike is referring to, the long-term average. But because multiple expansion is one of those things that takes time, I like the fact that he's using this particular trade structure going out to January of 2023 to give him that longer-term exposure and then selling shorter-dated calls against it to offset the cost of these, uh, the longer-dated call. Now, I, if you look at the $90 strike price that he's chosen to sell on this diagonal, what's really interesting is the fact that he's only spending about six bucks for a $10 wide diagonal. What that means is that he's spending less than the vertical, than the width between the two strikes. That's going to reduce his downside risk or his upside risk rather if the stock does rally sharply. Um, and, and at the same time, that $90 strike price uh, is that short-term target that I have here to the upside. And is, rough, and is also at the same time about a 20 delta strike price. So this is really uh, aligning quite well with both the short-term technicals as well as the long-term fundamental story here for Starbucks. All right, let's move on here. As the old adage goes, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And right now, many voices in the market are comparing today's tech environment to the dot-com bubble circa 1999. But Coe and Carter are wondering, could it be different this time? So, Carter, why don't you walk us through some charts? Well, talk about an old, so at one point, of course, Big Blue, uh, the Watson family, the most valuable company in the world, the same title that Apple has now. We're going to do six charts. Uh, different time frames before and after. So here is a chart with no judgments, no drawings. It is a weekly chart and it's 10 years. Now, you can call this what you want, but it has all the elements of 
a bottoming out formation. Now look at the next chart with no drawings, and that's the same chart. It's a 10-year downtrend, and over this past week, can't see it here really, but we've moved above that downtrend. And so we have this element, we could also clear that, and we have this element. And so then on the three-year chart, there's so many ways to draw the lines. There's this, or put in the lines like this, converging. So whether you want to call it cup and handle, whether you want to call it a wedge, here too, we just moved out of the upper band. And then let's go to the here and now chart, just a very short-term chart, no drawings, and then check this out. My eye, I think you can call it what you want to call it, but it's well-defined tops at a common level. How many stocks are making 52-week highs right now? Not many. That's the definition of relative strength. I think this gets a big green arrow. Hmm. So, Mike, what's the trade? You know, 14 times earnings, this is a company that I think people would have thought of possibly as a value trap, and they'd have been right to think so, because this was a company that's been trying to pivot their strategy for a long time. Cloud is an area that people have been taking a look at. Cybersecurity is another. And it seems like this time they might actually be paying off. This is a company that saw its top line revenues drop by almost 50% peak to trough. This is a company that made about $108 billion in revenues many, many years ago. And at the trough got down to about 55. We're getting back up to 67. It's an indication in the most recent results that they might actually be getting it done this time. And of course, at that lower valuation, I think that makes it uh, attractive. So I was just simply looking out to uh, August and the 145, 155 call spread. Uh, and I think this is just a way that we can play for this breakout. Uh, you know, this is also another name that I think would set up well for the diagonal spread that we outlined in Starbucks. Uh, and even with the dividend, maybe this is a stock you'd be interested in owning. But uh, I'm with Carter here. I, th I think this might actually be the opportunity at long last. And it may not actually be the value trap that it has been for so long. Yeah. A dividend, a low valuation relative to the markets and relative to tech peers, Tony. Um, and the chart looks good. So where do you stand? Yeah, so I agree. This is the this is the type of trade where you really have the technicals and the fundamentals aligning quite well. If you look at the chart, uh, the lines that, that Carter drew, that it's almost an inverse of what we've seen here in Visa. It's trading up against that 140 level, so it's trading near that absolute 52-week uh, high. But the most important chart here is actually the relative performance of IBM to its sector, the technology sector, as well as the overall market. We're looking at t testing three-year highs here, um, even though this is underperformed for the past decade or so. And that relative performance, in addition to that absolute performance, is really what you're looking for for that potential breakout. And on the fundamental side, that 13, 14 times earnings is cheap. And the last quarter's results seemingly quite strong, both on the consulting side, as well as their transformation to more reoccurring software businesses and higher margin businesses that they've been trying to work on for the past few years. Looks like they're starting to see the early innings of that transformation, and that certainly would justify a higher multiple. And, and, and I think the trade structure that Mike's using, that 145, 155, uh, debit spread that he's only paying two and a half percent of the stock's value is a great way to limit your risk and play for this upside, uh, this breakout that we that we are potentially uh, about to see here on IBM. All right. 
Up next, we are taking your questions as the market volatility rolls on into the summer. Options Action is back right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer asks, I own 100 shares of Morgan Stanley as a long-term investment. My view is that for the next month, the stock will not make any substantial move. Which option structure would I benefit from? Tony. Yeah, so the easy and obvious answer here is to sell a covered call. You can go out to July and sell the $90 strike price, which is the 20 delta, for just under 1% of the stock's value. But you are asking an option strategist here, so I would add uh, selling the $78 puts with that. So you're selling the nine, uh, the 7890 strangle here that will collect a little over two and a quarter percent over the next 30 days as a way to play for uh, Morgan Stanley not moving over the next 30 days. All right. Our next viewer asks, TLT, looks like it is ready for another leg lower after this relief rally. What is a good options play to capture the downside move? Um, Carter, do you agree on the assessment of the direction? Well, that's right. So uh, I'm thinking that rates are kind of just stuck here. But if you have that bias, uh, you could sell calls, maybe the 118s for July. Uh, TLT close around 116 and change. All right. Our next fan asks, how should you determine the right strike price and expiration when selling a covered call for income? How do you take advantage of volatility, especially with catalyst events like earnings? It's a great question, Mike. Yeah. So a couple things to address there. The first thing is that there's a temptation when you're selling covered calls to go for big premium amounts, and you don't really want to do that. What we're really looking to do are sell calls that are very unlikely to end up in the money. I think what uh, Tony was doing on Morgan Stanley makes a lot of sense there. 20 delta is probably a good sort of strike to choose. You're looking usually for options that expire in less than 45 days, as far as I'm concerned. Now, with respect to Catalyst, this, where, this is where it gets a little bit trickier. Uh, some people have done some research on this, and unless you really have a strong view, sometimes it's better to avoid things like earnings because you're really collecting small amounts of money consistently over time. Earnings is when stocks can move a lot. And if you own a stock, that's when you want it to. So you might avoid actually selling covered calls going into earnings. All right. Up next, the final call. Final call time, Tony. I think there are risks in the safety play, buying a put spread in. Mike. Yeah, I like Starbucks and IBM. I think they both represent uh, so bad they're good, and I like call spreads in both diagonals in the case of Starbucks. Carter? That's right, Starbucks, so bad it's good, bombed out of 46% decline in basing, and IBM, tremendous relative strength, and is toying with the prospects of a breakout. All right, we'll see you back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time for OA. Meantime, Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.